Hey folks, welcome to the Smoking Tire Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you in part by the Blackview Dashcam range, and today it's the DR900X Plus, their 4K ultra-high-resolution front camera, and Sony Starvis sensor in the rear camera. You can be sure that you will capture all the important details during the day and at night. Nothing is more important than having video proof in case of an accident. As a screenless compact camera that hides behind your rearview mirror, the Blackview is managed from the Blackview mobile app. With Blackview seamless pairing, connecting with your Blackview app is a breeze. No need to enter pesky passwords anymore. Just wave your hand near the camera to confirm it's you, and the app will let you browse recorded videos, change settings, or connect your dash cam to the cloud totally effortlessly. But what about when you're away from your car? Well, with built-in voltage monitoring, you can have your car protected by Blackview's parking mode without fear of draining your car's battery. And thanks to the optional LTE connectivity module, the Blackview DR900X Plus Series dash cam keeps you always connected to your car from anywhere. This means you can receive impact notifications on your phone, check on your car with remote live view, and rest easy knowing that live event upload saves impact footage in real time to the cloud, including the all-important five-second pre-impact buffer. The mobile hotspot function allows you to turn your LTE-connected dash cam into a Wi-Fi hotspot for up to five devices. The DR900X Plus series is available now in four versions with the front camera only or paired with a rear camera, an infrared interior camera, or an AI-powered driver monitoring camera. So go to blackview.com slash TST. That's B-L-A-C-K-V-U-E dot com slash TST. And use the promo code TIRE to get 10% off any Blackview dash cam and free shipping for orders over $200. That's B-L-A-C-K-V-U-E dot com slash TST. And use promo code Tire. Brought to you in part today by ButcherBox. You know what I love about ButcherBox? Meat. That's it. Don't have to go very far. Meat. I love meat, love cooking meat, love eating meat, and I love when meat shows up at my house. So add some power players to your grilling lineup this summer, which with ButcherBox. It's the subscription service that delivers high-quality meat and seafood right to your doorstep. Choose from a carefully curated selection of 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, wild-caught seafood, and more. And right now, new subscribers will receive a free grilling bundle in their first order. I love me a ribeye. I love to go reverse sear in my little... um, what do you call it? It's a little Breville like toaster oven thing. It's actually, it's just a toaster oven, but I go reverse sear 240 in the toaster oven for about 30 minutes until I get a 125 to 130 internal temperature. Then I sear it with some gar- garlic, rosemary, and butter in the pan, about two minutes aside, bam! Shit is so fire, and my wife and I love it. And I love Butcher Box because It's just bringing that meat right to me. So that way I come home from work, take something out of the freezer. I put it right on my granite countertop of my kitchen, and that actually helps it thaw evenly. I used to do that bowl of water thing 
that doesn't really work as well. Just throw it on the granite countertop or in a cast iron pan, and that'll help it thaw out. It's really nice. Butcher Box, their meat has no antibiotics or added hormones, packed fresh and shipped frozen for convenience, and you can customize your own box or go with one of theirs. Either way, you get exactly what you want. Plus, it's an unbeatable value at less than six bucks per meal on average. Here is the deal. Wow, free bacon for life? Free bacon for the life of your membership plus 10 bucks off. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash tire and use code tire to get a pack of free bacon in every single box for the life of your membership plus $10 off your first order. That's butcherbox.com slash tire and use code tire to claim this deal. Free bacon for life, that is like, that's SEO gold right there. That's a perfect promo. I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to make bacon fried rice with my butcher box bacon. Uh, I got the Kenji Lopez Alt Walk Book, and the bacon and egg fried rice looks epic. It is going to be so delicious. Butcherbox.com slash tire, code tire at checkout. Of course, we're brought to you today by SoFi. Investing can be real confusing. I, I I don't know that much about investing unless it's land or Lamborghinis. You feel me? When people start using terms like shorting a stock, meme stocks, crypto, I don't really know what is up. So getting your money right is easier than ever with SoFi. It's the first investing platform to offer stocks, automated investing, and even crypto all in one app. It is really easy. I made my account in under 20 minutes, connected my financial institutions, and I was ready to invest within one day. SoFi has no commissions on trading stocks, no account fees, no hidden fees. You can even use fractional shares that start as low as $5 to buy brand name stocks, even if you don't have a couple grand lying around. They've got complimentary financial planners on staff and ready to help with any questions, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding on what to do next. You can even save for your retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. You can get hands-on with active investing or let SoFi's number one ranked automated investing tool take the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio by doing it for you. You can set goals, either it's quarterly, annually, or retirement, build up to a down payment on a home, etc., etc. So cut through the jargon and make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SOFI.com slash tire to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash tire. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Last but certainly not least, we're brought to you by Off The Record. My favorite app to have on my phone is the Off The Record app. That way, I have confidence if I get pulled over by the police in one of their revenue-generating strategies, right, where I'm doing a couple over and they need to make their quota for that month, I don't want to be involved in that system. I don't want my insurance to go up. I don't want to go to court. I don't want to pay fines. That's where Off the Record comes in. You can go to offtherecord.com slash TST or download the Off the Record app and use code TST10 on the Off the Record app. Never plead guilty to those tickets. Send them to Off the Record. Off the Record has will pair you 
with a qualified, successful attorney in your area who will fight those tickets on your behalf. You won't even have to go to court or really, honestly, even do anything. They'll make sure to get those points off your record. And if they can't get the points off the record, they got a money-back guarantee in place there. Off the record covers 97% of American drivers, and you can find out for yourself by going to offtherecord.com slash TST or by using code TST10 on the Off The Record app. I have personally used them several times to get me out of tickets, and I have never so much heard a peep about them later. Once I sent it to Off The Record, I knew it was handled over and done with, and I get a lot of emails from folks who say they used Off The Record and are super, super happy with the kind of service that they provide, keeping those points off the record. Don't plead guilty. Don't let your friends plead guilty. Tell them about offtherecord.com slash TST. Today's show, I have spent the weekend at the Hypercar Invitational at Laguna Seca. I'm going to tell you what that's about. I drove the Cadillac CT5 Blackwing on the track. I'm going to tell you what that's about. I went for a crazy ride in the uh, Aston Martin Valkyrie $4 million prototype race car that you can buy. I'm going to tell you what that's about. Zach drove a supercharged uh, Dynan S3 BMW E46. He's going to tell you what that's about. And we got a whole bunch of your questions on the Spoken Tire podcast. So uh, Hypercar Invitational, we could start there. Um, Zach and I went up last week. Zach just came for the... um, the podcast and I stayed for the track day and the runway. Yeah. Interesting event. Um, sorry, I, just, I literally just ran up and down the stairs. That's why I'm like huffing. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a developing event, meaning it's there's, they started with this private sort of invite only track day for people who own really crazy shit click on the Senna and then scroll one photo to the right to see that that this garage is crazy (laughs) this garage is so stacked with shit in this photo there's a Vulcan there's uh, what's called a Formula 1.5 which is an F1 chassis with a more manageable engine it's like you can buy this it's like an F1 chassis and it's got like a 600 horsepower four-cylinder Audi-based engine in it. Holy crap. And then there's a Senna GTR, and then there's a Lambo Ascenza. Behind that is an FXX. Behind that is a Wyra BC. Behind that is the Dallara uh, EXP track day thing. And then fucking on and on and on and on and on. There was like eight Senna's at this thing. I mean, this, and that, this is the thing where like the Senna is a common car here. And by the way, that's two people. Those, that garage, that's not like each person brought one car. Like the Senna, the FXX, the Ascenza, and the Wyra, that's one guy. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. Did that's, he drive that's the dude each we met. one on the track? No, that's remember the guy yeah, who was sitting guy? at the thing? That was him. That was the first guy we met there. Did he have enough track sessions to drive all of them? Yes. Wow. But uh, the wow. FXX had a mechanical problem and didn't go out, but he drove the rest of them. Yeah. That was the guy who had the line of the weekend, which I'll come back to okay. in a minute. Uh, so the absolute guy, most unforgettable line of the weekend. He was basically doing the hypercar version of Matt Farah one take. Like, he's driving six cars in a morning. Yeah. And hopefully he can get used yeah. to all of them very quickly. And then, remember, he had an SF90 for the road driving. Jesus. Like, a transporter brought all these from his place at, I forget which, um, I forget which country club. I think he might have been a thermal guy. 
Yes, I think he was, it was Thermal, yeah, yeah. not he Spring was. Mountain, right? Yeah. Thermal guy. Um, and a, he had a truck bring all them cars up, and you know, crazy. And then there's a, there's a Vulcan here. That's a th- that's a car from Thermal as well. I met that that guy, a uh, young guy, fucking real cool actually. And you know, like there was definitely some stereotypical folks as well. Um, but in general, I mean, I I have to respect that that the folks who attended this kind of event. We're there to drive their cars. Yeah, I agree. You know, and and uh, I saw a lot more good driving than bad driving. You know, most people understood the dynamics of a track day and safe point buys, and you know, um, not that everybody was there to set a track record, but that they were having having fun and and pretty responsible with their cars. And you know, I was on I was lapping Laguna in a black wing. You know, which is. A fast-ish car, but not compared to this shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm I was in the group Hypercar A, which is the fast guys, and so obviously I gave a lot of point buys because there's Senna GTRs and La Ferraris and shit on the track. The video is gonna be really funny. There's literally the video is gonna be lapping a Cadillac Blackwing surrounded by hypercars. Right, you're pointing like a traffic cop. You're just like, yeah, go ahead, go I'm ahead, go mad ahead. point buys. But I was having a really good time, and the Blackwing was a champ. But like, you know, there was too loud. The 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 real attraction for this event, um, for these folks, was that they had unlimited sound day at Laguna, and most of these cars you can't run at Laguna because they're too loud. Mm-hmm. And so most track days at Laguna have a sound limit. Um, and, and so to get an unlimited sound day is very expensive. Uh, two days on a weekend almost is almost unheard of. Um, IndyCar and the, and, and the Monterey Historics, at, those are the kind of people that typically get an unlimited sound day. So the event is very expensive to enter you know, for these guys. I, I don't know the exact number, but it's expensive. Um, and then there was wine tastings. They had a runway on Friday uh, with with folks, you know, doing half mile uh, runway pulls. The Chiron was the quickest. That was in the in the one eighties. The other fast stuff was in really in the one a lot the one seventies like Senna's and stuff. You know, they got big wings. Yeah, yeah. So so a lot of the really fast stuff also had downforce downforce elements. So they couldn't. You know, they're one seventies. How um, many Chirons were did, there? Only one. Okay. Last year, there was more of a Bugatti representation, but this year, because of... Last year, there were more manufacturers in general, but this year, because the demand was so high for, like, Bugatti, like, they can't keep those things, like, in stock. Like, they're... They didn't... This year, they didn't, I guess, see the marketing value in bringing... In spending the money to bring cars out when they can't keep anything in inventory anyway. Right, right. You know, they don't, they don't need to sell cars. So it was more private owners this time and guys who brought bigger collections. But people were taking each... You know, there, you could do charity rides. Like, people could donate to Make-A-Wish, you know, and if you got a certain amount, you could go out in a Senna and, and stuff like that. Um, and, and it was actually, like... It was pretty fun. Like I met some characters. I mean, some some real. There was, you know, a couple eye rolly characters here and there, and a couple crypto bros here and there. Uh, the guy in the American flag cowboy boots, that crypto bro, <laughs> made me chuckle quite a bit. There was like four Koenigseggs, um, and but there was also some kind of like OG, you know, uh, uh, like tycoon types, some of whom were hilarious. Uh, one, I own half of Texas. Kind yeah, of, yeah. yeah. I mean, like one of these dudes, uh, and I'm not going to use any names, but but one of these dudes, I guess, has some pull with 
one of uh, with 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 some real heavy hitters, and got and got wanted a piece a Ferrari four eighty eight Pista, which was a the coolest pista I've ever seen. Usually I'm like, yeah, you've seen one, you've seen them all. <laughs> this one had more in options than the MSRP. What? Yeah, on, on a pista. Whoa. And it's not a cheap car. I didn't you know, know that was possible. Yeah, it is. And so he wanted his pista painted Shelby colors. Okay. Guess what Ferrari won't do? <laughs> they won't do Shelby tributes. Especially if you mention that. You don't, you don't go, I want you know this baby diamond blue. Yeah, no. You're like, I want Carol's Shelby blue. Yeah, no. And so he had to pull all kinds of rank to do white with a blue Shelby stripe and also... The entire engine bay, the entire side skirt aero package, and the entire interior was blue tinted carbon fiber. Oh, that's cool. It was bitching. I've seen <laughs> it that. Was it looks awesome. awesome. It was, yeah. And he was like, I was like, oh, that's a cool color. He's like, bruh, you don't even know. I actually love this guy. I thought this guy was hysterical. He made me laugh. I mean, a the lot. tinted. He like, brought four yeah. cars out. He brought like, he had a McLaren LT, this Pista, and a Ventador SV. He had like four cars, and, and this guy was a fucking riot he was really really funny um and uh and i liked him i liked him very much and his his troll ferrari was was excellent <laughs> it was very very good um there was that roof club sport thing that i put a picture of that was probably the oldest i think like i this event really isn't about vintage you know i think they should have a vintage class uh go back to my previous uh scroll down a little more the one, the picture of the, um, of the black, that, that thing right there. Yeah. That white thing. That's a CTR2, uh, club sport, so which cool. is the, basically the roof CTR2. I, it's not exactly like I, I've seen different people post different production numbers. I, one person said they made nine. One person said they made 19. Hmm. It's, it's less than 20. And this is the only one with like no interior, like lightweight race car shit. Wow, I mean, yeah, it's got a half cage. Yeah, it uh, that, and he was lapping that thing at, at Laguna. It was real cool. And uh, as you can see in that photo, lots of seven six five LTs, few Koenig sags, uh, lots of SVJs and and Sennas and P ones. I mean, it's some heavy hitting stuff. And, I mean, it's uh, everything you could expect on a calendar or yeah. from Instagram, basically. Yeah, basically. Which, yeah. And it was cool to like see them to see them you know out on track and and lapping and oh, there was the the Zenvo guys brought uh, their newest cars so these are very interesting they're from Denmark um, this is their first car that they've evolved over the last like ten ten or eight to ten years twin supercharged uh, V eight it's LS architecture but they they claim they cast their own blocks. Remember how Koenigsegg used to do this? It was the Ford architecture, but they would make the block themselves. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what they're they. I mean, I don't have any way of questioning this. Like they could be completely full of shit. I don't know, but they say they cast their own LS architecture blocks. It's like five point eight liters, twin Rotrex superchargers, uh, twelve hundred horsepower, Whoa. sequential gearbox, um, and then that wing tilts left to right based on how you're turning the car right. to bend the arrow. Uh, Did you ever get an answer about, does it react <clears throat> based on G-force or steering angle? Steering angle. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I wonder angle. if you have to like correct, does it Yeah, no, it, I, I, unclear as to what happens if you drift and then counter steer. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not really sure uh, if, if it's capable of reacting that fast, 
because it's hydraulic, not electric. Right. So unclear. Um, it sounds like the nastiest Corvette you've ever heard. Yeah, it does. Um, and it looks to be screwed together pretty well. I mean, they 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 paid pretty close. They want two million bucks for this thing. It's not it's not nothing, you know. And um, it it's interesting looking. Um, they were lapping it on the track, so it can it, it can at least handle some amounts of track work, uh, you know. Uh, the couple people I know who got to drive it. Mm-hmm. They said that the, the the weak point is the gearbox, which is sort of clunky. Like in a, it said, they just said it was like an Aventador gearbox. Hmm, okay. Pretty clunky. Wow. Um, Dual clutch? No, single, single clutch. clutch. Ah. Yeah, single clutch. Um, but uh, it's it's neat. I mean, it's neat. It was cool to see one out. You know, it I, is. Yeah, it was neat. I mean, I still like the design. I remember seeing it ten years ago, and then I still think it looks cool. It, yeah, and it still looks it's really different. loud. Like it still looks. Like it's from the future, even though it's ten years old, which is kind of, yeah. which is impressive for a design. And the folks who built it were really—they had a lot of a few of their engineers and stuff out, and they were really—they claim that they have basically no suppliers; that they make almost everything in-house. Now, this blue one that we have on the screen here has a, a forged aluminum wheel. They also had a white one with carbon wheels, and they say they they make those. They don't buy them from Carbon Revolution. And uh, you know, I the the only thing the only part that I could clearly say was not from them was the steering wheel. The steering wheel was like a uh, like a C a C eighties Porsche. (laughs) No, it was like a C six Corvette steering wheel that Mm -hmm. was recovered a bit. But like it looked like what a, three spoke with kind of a bulgy airbag holder. It looked like what a, like what a Callaway would do with a Corvette steering wheel. That that was pretty much the only thing. But like you know, L's full ga- you know screens for gauges. Um, I'm guessing it Callaway. Callaway might leave the steering wheel alone. If you took that steering wheel and made it carbon fiber with a flat bottom, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, neat. I mean, very very neat. And uh, and a lot of cool watches. <laughs> I bet. Um, you know, the food and stuff was very good. And their goal, so Hypercar, their goal is really to make this a spectator event. Um, to get Laguna, you know, to rent Laguna for this type of event on a loud day on a weekend is crazy money. I mean, I think it might be a hundred grand a day or something. I'm sure. It's, it's the most expensive racetrack, I think, in the world, except for the Nürburgring. Um, it, it, they said they could do Sprint Spa for a fifth of the price. <laughs> I mean, we wanted to rent it for production once, yeah. and they they quoted us twenty five grand or forty grand for a quiet day for a quiet day yeah. with you know two cars filming. Yeah, that's. So. I mean, it's as as I believe it's the most expensive racetrack in the world. To wow. Rent. Um, and so they want to do to do spectators. It's like another hundred grand because now you have to have your vendors there mm-hmm. and your security guards and all this other shit. Yeah. Where it, so so that's what they're they're working towards. Um, but the highlight of the whole thing, I mean, for me, um, you know, I was the MC, so it was, it was a great gig. I didn't have to do much actual work, and I got unlimited track time. Which the caddy is too loud for a quiet day at Laguna. So you, I, you couldn't. This is an opportunity for me to lap a car that I normally would not be able to 
Um, and by the way, normally what happens with a car that is too loud for Laguna and has to do a quiet day, either there's an exhaust modification, mm-hmm. you have to put these some crazy contraption on that points the uh, the yeah, you sound. Attach a garden hose. <laughs> And Pretty then aim much. it, you know, into a different county. Basically. Yeah. Or you have to go through turn uh, five up the hill in a gear probably way higher. You basically can't go nearly as fast as you would normally go because you've got to go a gear or two too high through this one corner, which is at the bottom of a very big hill. Yeah. So when I had the Lotus Evora 400 and I was doing, doing Lagoon on a quiet day, I blew sound. Um, bless you. And so for the whole rest of the day, I had to go through this corner in fourth instead of third. And on the very last day, I was going to go home. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to blow sound to see what it'll do properly. So I did it in third. And the difference was four seconds a lap. Whoa. It was an enormous difference. Yeah, because you're, you're throwing away a corner and the entire uphill. And it's a pretty long uphill, which also sets up the turn right before the corkscrew. I mean... It's a, there's a lot of momentum that you lose. Like that, yeah. that no, turn after five difference. is all momentum. Yeah, especially if you if you have a car that's got really big torque, it, it's less of a difference. Mm-hmm. But in that in the Lotus as an example, there was a huge difference in power above four thousand and below four thousand, and and you really have to lug the engine to to not blow sound. Wow. So anyway, the Cadillac, I could be in the right gear and that was fun. Um but but the real highlight was the Valkyrie. Um the Aston Valkyrie uh AMR Pro. Uh they brought out uh Aston Martin brought out one uh which is this this beautiful green thing they've got here. And then one of their first customer cars which was a a, a race team called Heart of Racing, they brought out another one. So oh, there were okay. two. Um, Valkyrie comes in in two versions, and they're actually quite different. Um, AMR Pro is the race car, um, that which is which is what we have here. Slicks, um, very serious aero package, no creature comforts, like not street legal, not certainly not street legal. Um, it's a thousand horsepower. It is. Um, it has a, 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 a suspension and everything that's set up for slicks, really. Jeez. And there's a there's a whole way different way to set it up for for slicks. And you need a, you need a, a race team to to do anything with it. You need a race team to start it. I mean, look and, at the diffusers front and rear, are like so big. The the rear diffuser actually like goes out toward the arches and then heads down and nearly touches the ground. It's yeah. like all one piece. It's just insane. I've never seen that. Wow. And so the um the uh uh it's how do I explain this? So they were going to build it for this Lamar hypercar class. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? And then they decided to go F1 racing instead. So they they bailed on the Lamar hypercar class. So they have this car, which Adrian Newey was heavily involved in from Red Bull, and they said, well, why don't we sell it to people? Uh, Holy shit. So it was supposed to run the hypercar class with yes. like- um, With Glickenhaus, Glickenhaus and, right, and these other companies. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then they were like, nah, let's just sell it to people. So they're doing a few of these race cars and then a, a road version. Mm-hmm. The road version is different. It's not as long. The wheelbase isn't as long. Because you'd high center this thing fucking everywhere. Jeez. Uh, the the tub itself is actually different, and it's reinforced in different ways. Whoa. Uh, the passenger compartment is a little bit wider. 
it has air conditioning and a stereo and stuff like that. Um, there's that fin, that dorsal fin, the shark fin. It yeah. doesn't have that. Um, it has a completely different aero package. It has curs. The race car does not have curs. It has a adjustable height adjustable suspension electronically, which this doesn't have. This mm-hmm. is this suspension you can adjust the height by turning wrenches, um, but it's not adjustable on a, on a button, and it's it's. It's heavier, the passenger car is. Um, they have the same engine, basically. Um, and uh, and the race car, the engine doesn't have, they have different gearing. So the race car, the engine doesn't even come on until 20 miles an hour. This runs on electric. It's battery electric under 20 miles an hour. And the Aston guy said, if you were careful, it probably has enough battery battery to do a full lap of Laguna just on battery. It would make it around, but as you you pull out of the pits, it 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 bump starts itself. Mm. It doesn't have a starter motor. Wow! So it just fucking dumps the clutch when you hit twenty. And does it like stumble, or is it like the SF ninety where it just fires? No, it's not. It's it doesn't need to be smooth. Okay. You can feel that the car wow. has bump started itself. Wow! Yeah, it doesn't do a big jerk, but it's the smoothness in, in that integration is not part of the equation. This is crazy. It's got an X track sequential gearbox. Um, it's a race car. It's, I mean, full... it's amazing that the tubs are different between the two because yeah. I, I'd be curious to know like what the difference is in because it seems like that would increase the manufacturing cost. But I guess oh, yeah. they made it work. No, I mean, I mean they're based on the same kind of thing. But the cars are handmade anyway. It's not like yeah. they're built on an assembly line. They're completely handmade by Multimatic. These cars. So having two different tubs is not. You need to have different bucks to mold the carbon fiber. Right. You know. But but. Yeah. It's such a bespoke thing anyway that to have them be slightly different doesn't really make a difference. And the, a lot of the differences come or come from the fact that the road car is designed to take the impact of bumps on the road, clear clear certain objects on the road, Poor be, people. be driven at lower <laughs> at lower speeds. I mean, even just around town. Yeah. Um, and 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 like you can't drive this slow the race car. You, it's a fucking it's an LMP car. You can you cannot drive it slow. It, mm-hmm. it's, it has two modes: batch shit and pit parked. road. Yeah, and racetrack and park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so they gave out some some rides, and I got to go for one. So cool. Um, Andy uh, Prial was the driver. He's a touring car legend. He's raced Le Mans. He has a crazy racing resume. And not only was he the only person, like it wasn't like they weren't letting people. Outside of Aston Martin, like he's the only person who can drive it. Wow! Like, and like so, Lewis Hamilton couldn't walk up, or, or uh, maybe Lewis, or maybe but Vettel, like, maybe you know. maybe Vettel, but like no one else even. Like I was there with Ben Collins, like the Stig, like, and they were like, "Nah, can't you know? Hard no." And um, my first impression of the car was that it is deeply irresponsible to sell it to people. Um, and then I went for a ride. And that uh, initial uh, thought was absolutely confirmed. <laughs> um, it is so, you know, you really can't. They, Aston Martin will tell you, and I'll tell you, that what holds back the performance of this car is that it has to have humans in it. Jeez. You know, it's right. just, you, when you get in it, it is so claustrophobic and tiny 
you just you go this is this is just crazy you can't you know it's this is clearly a space that should have one person in it that you've decided to try to fit two people mm-hmm. in yeah. and i realize i'm a big person but even if you're not they took people out that were small and they still had to hold their left arm out of the way wow yeah like the seats are physically touching each other with a with a it's one seat with a single carbon fiber divider between the two there is no gap whoa at all weird I had to take my shoes off to get in. The passenger side couldn't fit. And my head was literally jammed into the roof, which was actually a benefit because um, people smaller than myself were saying the neck was getting like super jerked under sure. braking. Whereas I I knew that and would and wedged my head into the roof, which which actually stopped that. I mean there's a reason F one drivers literally use weights yeah. and do neck workouts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um so the track record for uh, road cars at Laguna is is Randy Pope's driving a Senna, and that was a 127. This dude did a 118 with me in the car at the middle power setting. As soon as we went out, I knew it wasn't on full power. I, I knew it. Like, it was fucking, don't get me wrong. But you're like, this doesn't feel like a thousand But I knew power. it wasn't yeah. full power. And he, it was middle. It was the eight hundred setting. You were in a one. Eight, you were in nine seconds faster with, with you in with the car. With me in the car. And this was a this was a ride along. This it was a ride along. Lap. Well, that's what I said. I, and then holy I, shit! You know, the first lap, the out lap. Okay, getting used to it. You know, he gave me. You can't hear anything, so he gave me the, okay, the the yes no yes. Okay, fine. The second lap, I almost shit my pants. The second lap, I I don't think I've ever been that scared in a car. And this is with someone who knew it, not because he didn't know exactly what he was doing, but. Right. But the, 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 the forces speed, were so beyond what you'd experienced. The speeds through turn three, four, five, six. You know, the, there's there's like three hairpins at Laguna. There's there's turn two, which is at the end of the front straight, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, the corkscrew, obviously, which is which is very fun, but it's a pretty low speed corner in almost anything. Yeah. And then there's turn eleven, which is the last corner onto the onto the front straight. Those were, you know. Fast, you know, race car pace, but the the but that's not where the shit was insane. Turns uh, three, four, five, six, which is through the infield and up the hill, and then turn uh, nine, which is oh, yeah. steep. So nine after the corkscrew, you go down the hill and to the left. That turn nine, he took almost flat. Oh my god! Like flat until. The curbing began on the left side, and then it was this: break go, flat break go. And that is a camber change in the middle of camber. it. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that is that's the most right about corner. at the apex of nine. I went, we're gonna die. I mean, re- I really was like, that's that was life flash before my eyes. Like, well, this. Did is- you have any idea how fast you were going, or were you just looking out the windshield? I couldn't see the speed, but okay. on the front straight, he went over the crest at 180 miles an hour. <laughs> And then <laughs> and then hit the brakes between the two and the three at the end of the front straight. From 180 plus miles an hour. Oh, right. Flat over the crest, braking inside the three. Good. Which to into like a 40 mile an hour left Very hand corner. corner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, and he hit turn wow. six. And it must have been 150. Well, this goes back to the conversation conversation we had with Randy Popes, where it's like, once you drive a real dedicated track yeah, race yeah. car, it ruins you for track prepped street cars, or right. sports cars. And this is far, far beyond that. 
You know, like I went out um, with Ben, the Stig, in the Dallara track car, which was really fun. And we have a little video coming with that. I hope it worked. Um, uh, where uh, we both had microphones, Ben and I, but we couldn't hear each other. Oh. So Zach will have an interesting time editing that one. Oh, good. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> um, so that'll be interesting. But like that was like a club racer you know, with a carbon tub and a sequential gear. But that wasn't, like, scare. You know, that wasn't, like, that was fun. What, what kind of horsepower was that making? 500. Okay. This was, this was like, fuck me, you know, downforce. You know, you're, you're, you're going faster than you can really, than I could really think. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, going up the hill to the corkscrew, he hit the brakes so late. I was like, we're gonna fucking die right now. Oh my god! I mean, it was it was nuts, and I and I understand people who were saying their neck was getting really jerked around. I was I was tall enough that that wasn't an issue for me, but the, my issue was the claustrophobia because you combine that pace with it. I really felt like it was like kind of hard to breathe almost. Mm. Um, wow! And uh, just just insane amounts of of adrenaline but we did four laps and by the fourth one like the second one was real scary and then i kind of knew what to expect after that and mm-hmm. i knew we wouldn't die but i just got back and i was like you just you're just selling this to people like even if they're pretty like okay now the line of the weekend was the guy we just talked about who has the FXX and the the Senna GT has every seven figure crazy track car you can think of, and he, he drove them, you know, and 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 seemed to you know more or less know what he's doing. He he was the first guy to come for a ride, at go for a ride in the Valkyrie, and when he got out, I was like, hey man, how'd that go? He's like, I think I'm gonna cancel my order. <laughs> And I go, really? He goes, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> he goes, I can't drive that. And then he goes, this was this past weekend. He goes, anyone who can drive that is in France right now. Because 24 hours of Le Mans is like literally going on. He's like, that's I, I don't even know what, what to do with that. And this is a guy who just minutes before was lapping a Senna GTR. The, that's the kind of gap. Wow, that's the Delta. So Andy, Jeez. the driver, said, full power, no me. Minus five seconds. And then he said, qualifying, fresh tires, down four set to max, four more. That's 109. That's like an IndyCar runs that. Like, that, like he thought, he, he had to check, but he, he thought that on the ride-alongs that he had a, um, a record for fastest lap with a passenger <laughs> ever at Laguna. Yeah, I mean, he's probably breaking all kinds of records. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's I so mean, fast. fucking batshit. Yeah, that's like four million dollars, you know. And it's it's literally it's the car for who's for someone who's got every other, you know. It's the game over. It's it is a prototype race car, right? That but they that's will the thing, sell. Is you. that like the the number of people that can both afford it and are capable of driving it, who are basically former right. Le Mans prototype drivers? Yeah, yeah. How many Very of them few. are there? Very few. Very yeah. few. Yeah. And uh, the Aston guys. They know how ridiculous it is. They're not stupid. But you could turn the power down as low as 600. It has 600, 800, and 1,000 are your settings. And, and, in, and, and in their defense, it's not like the thing was ragged. Mm-hmm. It's not like – now, I've heard the streetcar is 
pretty ragged. Like they were like, if you tried to take the streetcar to a track day, it would be gnarly as fuck. Because it doesn't have the downforce and doesn't have slicks. Jeez, You're, the streetcar is totally limited by street tires. You know what I mean? And if you had enough downforce, you would break the wheels and blow the tires. Because that's how that that's how physics works. You know, at a certain point, you just can't do that. It won't hold anymore. So. It seems like the streetcar at a track day would be incredibly sketchy. But Andy wasn't – it's not like he was working that hard. He was driving it. You know, he's used to it. He he was driving it smoothly. It wasn't fucking sliding all over the place. It's just like this is just another level of, of anything. I mean, even far beyond – well, it's, right. it's a prototype car. It's a so prototype it's race driven car, like so. one, which is very smooth. Which is you know, crazy. It, it's gonna, it's gonna stick. It's not yeah, supposed yeah. to slide all over the place, right? And so, you know, Aston says that with plenty of training, it is possible to have a club level driver work their way up to it. Well, see, what you're gonna do is you're gonna use the Aston Martin time machine to go back to when you're six and you're gonna start racing carts. Then yeah. you're gonna work up like that's the training you're gonna need for I this. I mean, I, they are, they're only making like, I think it's 24 race cars and 40 street cars or something. Wow. They're not making a lot of them. And let's assume half the race cars never even start. You know, they go into a collection, they sit there, never driven. Yeah. You know, you're talking about a real small handful of guys and and, after this weekend, I I now know that there are people that have twenty or thirty million dollars worth of track cars, and who drive them on tracks. I mean, there's not a lot of them, but they exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talked to multiple people that have homes at Spring Mountain or Thermal or other other racetracks, Monticello, and they've got big, huge dollar collections, and they do drive them on racetracks. And so, part of me is like. Oh, good! Another billionaire toy. You know what I mean? And it's depressing that that someone has done the math and realized that they could sell a hundred four million dollar cars instead of a thousand four hundred thousand dollar cars or mm-hmm. ten thousand forty thousand dollar cars. You know, and right. and that's depressing because it's 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 just funneling that choice upward. Yeah, I mean, I have plenty of cynical thoughts about this, but as you said, when we were there, so many of us complain about people buying high-dollar special cars and not driving yeah, them. Yeah, and yeah. it could be a car that costs fifty grand yeah. or $5 million. So like, to see that people want to go drive them and do that, it's like, yeah. good, this group of people are cool. There like, were good, two I'm people, glad there are people there doing that. There were two people there that planned to buy them, and we're going to go through with it. One was the guy who has that Vulcan, which was stunning, yeah, by the way. Yeah, they're cool looking, right? That fucking thing is awesome. And he must have done a dozen sessions in it over the weekend. That guy drives that car a lot. Um, and good for him. And then uh, American Flag Cowboy Boots guy was <laughs> NFT crypto bro. He was going to get one, too. Wow. Um, and But it was, I mean, as an experience, like, holy fuck. You know, it's it's so over the top. Like we can really stop now. We don't. You are you are at the edge of of physics, really, as far as these cars go. I mean, the only thing to ever go faster around the track than this car is, and it's literally literal an F one car. Yeah, and may, maybe a literal Indy car. I mean, I think for a lot of people, it's like this weird combination of painting and like Gatlin gun. Like mm-hmm. it's a cool thing that you're allowed to buy. You can put it in your garage and just go. 
Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Like this piece of engineering. It, it's like buying a, a used NASA space capsule yeah, yeah. and having it in your, yeah, your collection. Much. You're like, I can't go to space, but how fucking cool is that? Yeah. So, I, I no, mean, I to look get it. at it, I mean, yeah. even just to see it parked there and look at it, you go, that's not a car. It doesn't even look like a car. It does not look like a car. It doesn't look anything like what you would define a car to look at, you know, to look like. And it's it's actually, it's far prettier than your average prototype race car even. You know, they have given some thought to it should be attractive looking, you know? I mean, yeah, it has a, it has an organic shape to it. It's got some curve. Um, and but it's, headlights it's, are interesting. Like, it's so obviously an LMP car. Yeah. Like... It's the just, fin, the center fin. It's I mean, it's fucking mental. I've never seen a front splitter like this. It's it's amazing. Yeah, really, 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 really next level, and you know, like heart. I I I was in the car for six minutes and I was drenched in sweat, and just like like they they you probably you might have seen it in the Instagram video. This lovely woman from Aston Martin came over when I got out with a silver tray with ice water and an ice towel for me. And I was like, "Yes, I I need both I, of yeah. those things." Yeah, I need right? to extinguish this. <laughs> oh, right. it's so There's crazy. No um but to yeah, that's the video. But to to drive it, you know, like, look how you could see me holding my arm there like that, right? In the beginning of the video. Yeah, I mean, it looks like your arm just wasn't going to fit in it the wasn't. car. It wasn't. Yeah. Apparently, and I asked, like, what, is there a way if I had $4 million that you could make one I could I could drive? And they were like, no. Wow. <laughs> they pretty much just can't center seat it. They pretty much just said no. <laughs> yeah, it's a race car. I mean, the door opens. It's like DeLorean doors. Yeah. But it feels more like fighter jet. Yeah. I mean, this is next level and I was like it's I was like it took me a while to get out of it I was like it's I was like this would be sketchy in a fire he's like if you were on fire you'd surprise yourself with how fast you could move yeah, <laughs> yeah. um jeez just just insane and, and the sound um I you know I should I don't think I, I have an Instagram video of it going I mean you know open corked 12 cylinder you know it's I I don't I'm sorry I don't think I have an Instagram video of it I have one on my phone I should post um it's it's exactly what you would imagine it sounds like going by, a, a V12 with no mufflers, and and just a very short exhaust. It's it was like in like a, an F1 car basically. Do you have a, is that a video? This is someone's video, which we can play like in the background just to hear it. Where, uh, let's see if we can. Where is it? Oh, this is a good one. Good. So this is the road car. That's the road car. See the difference? No oh, yeah. fin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally different aero package. Totally different wheels. You can see the um, the cockpit itself is actually wider. It does look wider, yeah. yeah. It's a good-looking road car. Oh, yeah. I like this back three-quarter thing. Oh, here we go. Can we go sound? Yeah. But he's, that guy's smashing the rev limiter. Yeah, this video from Goodwood is, is good. But that's the road car. I mean, it's... It, I actually, like, I kind of get the race car. It's the road car that's dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's so The road sound. car looks hairy as fuck. Um, but it has a much more, you know, reason. Oh, he's in the wet. Oh, my God. Oh my it God. rained on that corner. You can hear the gearbox whine. Um, the idea that they made one for the street. And they, I'm sure they had to. They probably had to for the LM, for the homologation. 
Like uh, they probably yeah. had to build streetcars for the homologation, and then once once they designed it, they were like, "Well, fucking, let's fucking build it, right?" Yeah. Although uh, I bet you they sell out the streetcars before they sell out the race cars. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, because yeah, more people go. Well, I can drive this down the street carefully. Yeah, but I can't race one. I'll tell you what. I bet you that. There are few things that are less rewarding in a four tenths canyon drive than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's just that's, yeah. that. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that's rewarding at a medium pace. Well, the hard thing about that is you have to really, really, really enjoy the sound, which you would, but you can get a similar V12 sound from like I can't believe like a, a McLaren F1 or a you could, 599 Ferrari. You could take Ferrari the mufflers or, off a DBS, right. and, and make it sound you know, similar. Any to other that. V12 car would yeah. like sound similar. Um, Cheese, bananas. I mean, just pure, yeah. pure bananas. Um, but what? I mean, what an experience! Though. Yeah, what a ride! Yeah, holy crap! And apparently, um, uh, there is a race shop at Thermal, and the Aston Martin people are training them to how to run it. So, if you were to buy one for your place at Thermal, they could operate it there. Wow! Yeah, yeah. nuts. Yeah, yeah, that'll probably probably be the fastest car you'll ever ride in. I in can't, I can't. Yeah, yeah, what? Because anything faster is not going to have a second seat, right? Yeah. I mean, that's it's probably the fastest quote passenger car. I mean, certainly the like fastest. maybe one of those two seat indie cars. Maybe, May, yeah, but... maybe even even I can't even imagine that being faster. I mean, because those are pretty old school. You yeah. know, that's not. It's not like those two seat indie cars are like this year's indie car. You know, that's a right. that's kind of a. You know, get your vibe on. True. And respect to Mr. Andretti. I mean, all the respect to Mario Andretti, who drives that two-seat Indy car. I don't think he's going to be as quick as this guy. I think this guy has has a little something to... He's got cars to sell right now. He's got, well, I, I also don't know if they have like a limiter on the two-seat Indy car. Where yeah. like, you're going to go 170 on right. I, I, Indianapolis, not 220, which is what they really do at Indianapolis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or 248 nowadays. Yeah. So. It was fucking gnarly. That's cool. Yeah. Really, really gnarly. Um, but I, you know, it seems like next year hypercar invitational will be a spectator sport. And if so, I think it would be a good one. I mean, I think the spectacle of seeing that level of car, um, lapping Laguna, you know, uncorked is, is, is pretty cool. That's all we want. We plebeians who can't afford it. Like, I mean, yeah, we want to own one, but if you can't like, why? Yeah. One, I want to see an FXX drive next yeah. to a Koenigsegg drive yeah. next to a, a Chiron. Fuck yeah. Yeah. It was cool. And I, you know, and, uh, and the sessions I was in were really, really funny. Cause I was out there in the Cadillac and, and, you know, I got, I had to give a lot of point buys at a massive speed differential, but look, I also got, I also got a couple point buys, nice. you know, here and there. Um, and uh, and it, and you know a couple, couple very expensive cars went off. At, you know as happens during during those types of events. It's nobody got hurt or anything, but some cars got a little dirty, a little dinged up, and it, that kind of stuff is you know it's exciting to see totally. that, that kind of action. Yeah, um, that's cool. So I hope they I hope they get to do it next year, and it was it was very fun. And we'll have I think this Delara video will work out with the Stig driving me in this Delara, which is really really a neat car, and you know. You, I, in the in the Valkyrie video, I was wearing a racing suit. In the in the Delara video, I'm not. I'm in a, that car's got no roof, no roof, no windshield. Delara EXP, it's called. The EXP is the track day one. Um, it's the track version of the uh, of the Delara Str- Stradale. Yeah, this is it. That might even be the exact car we were driving. 
um, no roof, no windshield, and I'm in a t-shirt, and f- I felt very exposed. I mean, so the audio is going to be great. Well, I mean, <laughs> look, Ben. Well, no, the, actually, I think the audio will be okay because we were wearing closed face helmets, with the, oh, and with the we mic had the here. lav in the helmet. Okay. So I actually think it'll be okay. It was very stressful for me to ride with Ben, who was caning it, um, and try to get the levels. You know, yeah, right. yeah, I'm holding the fucking zoom recorder yeah. in a totally open car around Laguna. Ben's like, by the way, I haven't driven here in 20 years. Oh, good. Cool. Hasn't I mean, changed. you don't forget, but yeah. And I, what, what a was, fucking cool day. Well, what was really interesting, like watching how Ben drives from the passenger seat, I actually recognized how he moved his hands from television, like from seeing him drive cars around uh, the Top Gear track. Mm-hmm. He has a very specific way he moves his hands. Oh, really? Yeah, and when you see it, you go, "Oh, I, I've seen, I, I've, I've, I've seen you drive before. I recognize your your style." It was very interesting. That's very cool. Yeah, what a cool day. Yeah, what a, and what a sweet guy. And Justin was out there having a good time. There was a guy. There was a race car class. People brought out fucking AMG GTRs. There was a four GT LM. There was um, like you know cup cars like there was a race car class and then there's one guy who went out in the race car class in a 765 LT with a cage in it a street car but it had a cage in it and this dude was passing people whoa yeah this guy was passing like race cars whoa i don't know if he had slicks on the car or not but this dude was making moves on race cars in his 765 LT with the cage well he's probably making more power than most of those oh. race cars yeah i mean yeah he was it. on it it was wow. very very interesting to watch 765 LTs are there was a lot of them there they are so fast yes. i mean even there's a guy <laughs> there was a guy with a senna who was pretty cool pretty young guy from la um don't know where his money came from. I didn't even ask, but he had a Senna. And uh, and he said, he goes, I've got, I'm working on a deal with McLaren to get a 765 gearbox for my Senna because I drove a 765 and the shorty gears just made it feel so much quicker than the Senna. Whoa. I want that. So it's $37,000 wow. to get a 765 gearbox. And other than that, it's the same. as Other than the ratios, it's the same. Holy crap. So you could put it right in. And he wanted his Senna to go to go quicker. Okay, my Senna is too slow. I mean, look, Sentences if you had bought said, a Senna, yeah, and then you went out in a seven six five, which was a third of the price, and it felt quicker. I I can imagine the disappointment. Yeah, and if you're at that level of finance, and they go, well, you're it could feel like this for thirty six grand. I mean, what costs thirty six grand in a Senna? Nothing. An oil change costs one seat, maybe. An oil change yeah. is thirty six grand in a Senna. Yeah. I'm not trying to sound like an elitist snob, but we're talking about a car that's almost two million dollars. There's there's nothing you can get for that car that's thirty six grand that'll change the level of performance and feel like popping in this other gearbox. Shorter gears, and then man. oh by the way, you've got a backup gearbox if you ever need it, or yeah. you could sell it and recoup some that's of your bananas. Turn it into a coffee table, Senna gearbox coffee table. So that's hypercar. Ooh, someone uh, asked if you would ever drive your Countach on Laguna if there was a classic class. <sighs> No, I don't. I mean, I would do like a parade lap or something, but that car doesn't. The vibe I get with that car is never Go let me drive this at the limit yeah. because the brakes aren't really that great. The brakes are like highway brakes. You get one really good stop, and um, it's really a it's a great six tenths cruise through the canyons car. 
Um, and it's not about like ringing out the motor or the gearbox. They're tough, but the brakes wouldn't really hold up um, to that type of thing. Um, but yeah, really, really, really fun. I'm glad I got to go, and I mean, they they hired me to go as an as a announcer and an MC, so it was nice of them to think of me. And it was it turns out it was actually uh, quite fun. Uh, a lot of talking, so much talking. My voice was fucked by I the bet, end of it. Yeah. yeah, Tanner Fast was there too. I saw. Mm. Jeez, like every Tanner was doing charity drift laps with his Passat, so he was oh, drifting rad. the full track. Um, that is awesome. Yeah. He had to. T- he had said he had to take it easy going up the hill because, you know, Formula D, like it's like two corners. Yep. And he said he said without like thirty seconds of cool down, it's too much for the car. So yep. he would he would drift turns two, three, four, and then go easy on five six up the hill. Yep. And then do corkscrew oh into the God. downhill and then pit it. That's rad. Yeah, it was cool. I gotta find video of the corkscrew drift. Yeah, there's there's videos on Instagram That's and cool. shit. It's pretty it's pretty badass. People were having a good I think someone paid twenty grand to go to go out for uh, for that. There was people, you know, throwing around charity bucks. I mean it's charity. It's like yeah. all right, I can write off twenty thousand dollars now. Yeah. 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 Totally. For this amusement park ride. Yeah. And I think I think it was a few I think someone gave five grand to go out in the Valkyrie. I mean, there was people who gave you know, real money to do to do that kind nice. of thing. Nice. It was it was bitching. Um, I bought a thing. I bought a Honda Monkey. Yeah. I've been wanting one for a very long time. You have. And uh, and uh, you know, my new house is only like a mile from the shop, and so this this thing this thing is pretty cool. My friend Gibran is moving to New Orleans and had too many motorcycles, and so I was able to get this thing at a very reasonable price. It's like two years old. It's got a thousand miles on it, so I was like, absolutely. It's must. like it's a Grom with vintage fairings, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, mechanically, thing. it's a Grom. Yeah, but you sit more a little more upright. Mm. It has old school bars and kind of an old school vibe, but it's a Grom, and it's got a Yoshi pipe on it. It's yeah. so loud. Um, and I always like you know in the future when we have our truck and trailer and our project car and we're going to racetracks, like I've always I always want to bring pit something bike. like this as a pit bike for sure. Yeah. And it'll, I'll have it, you know, forever. After we're done with the show, I'm going to go wash it in the in the wash bay. It's dusty, but it's really dusty because it was sitting outside his house. But I mean, that's okay. Luckily, I there's clean. two panels to wash. You know, yeah, it'll fender. take me 20 minutes to yeah, wash all day. That's cool. But I'm very excited about this little guy, and I may try and find a cargo box to go on the back, which cargo box makes things very useful. Yeah, then you can lock stuff in it. Groceries, errands, just yeah. groceries and stuff. That's really where it's at. But very excited about my new Honda Monkey that I bought used, and Gibran also is. I made him a deal because he has another motorcycle. He's got a, a Triumph Tiger 900 that I'm going to store here. Uh, for him, uh, gratis, but I get to ride it whenever I want. Nice. It's a really nice bike, like a brand new Triumph Tiger 900, nice. which is their thing. like, uh, that's their like enduro bike. It's fucking cool as hell. It's yes, look at that. It's got the, it's got, it's got a. I don't even. I think it's the triple. It's a 900 cc engine. Oh, it's like their adventure kind yeah, of bike. Yeah, the adventure could, touring oh, okay. bike. Yeah, it's got cargo boxes on it. Um, Fucking cool little bike. Cool. Yeah. So very cool. Loner motorcycle. Indefinite. Free bikes. Free bikes. Um, yeah. So that's what's going on in in my life. Zach drove that. Uh, this this fan sent down a an E forty six M three. Yeah, man. For Zach uh, to drive. Let me pull up a photo. So this guy named Mark, when I put out the call for fan cars, 
he was like, hey, uh, I have a Dynan S3R, um, which is you know an E46 with basically all the things that Dynan offered for it in the early 2000s. And he said he would drive it down from the Bay Area and leave it with us for a week. I was like, yeah, okay. I guess there is a Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, so here's nice a- looking car. Yeah, it's silver, silver car. Uh, the interior is sick. It's got the fabric inserts on the seats and door cards oh. with like the BMW colors. It's really is it a competition. Cool. It's not a competition, but I don't know if it's competition fabric or not. It just looks so good and it's comfortable and it holds you in the seat a little bit I better. Love, I love a good cloth. Yeah, it's a great cloth. Um, so this has everything you could get basically. Like there's um. It's like a $40,000 package back in the, the day. The S1 is what I have on my car. The S1 is intake, exhaust, ECU tune, and a front sway bar. The S2 then I think is throttle bodies um, The uh, and then full suspension. The shocks. Yeah, uh, yeah. so the, the S2 suspension was shocks, springs, yeah. and sway bars. And then the S3 suspension adds camber plates and strut bars front and rear. And then the supercharger. It, well, yeah, so they had like, because he had the brochure, which was very cool. So they had like their level one, two, three suspension. Yeah. And then they have their level one, two, three engine. Oh, okay. Um, and then he also got the Dynan big brake kit, which is built by Brembo mm-hmm. and Dynan wheels. Um, so the supercharger, it gives you, they, get, they put in bigger uh, throttle bodies, they tune everything, adjust the timing, all that shit. And then of course it has a Vortex centrifugal su- supercharger on it with like, full exhaust and cold air intake um, and air-to-air intercooler. What's the advertised power? Advertised power is 462. It's a lot. It's a it's a jump of almost 50%. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of power. I mean, right? It's a jump of 130. And yeah. then uh, the torque is 328. So that goes up by about 60. Uh-huh. And that was pretty noticeable also. Um, well, those the centrifugal blowers don't add as much torque as the roots as type. the roots-type blowers do. Correct, yeah. Because yeah. they don't have a – it's not a big volume of air – that they're moving, you know. Yeah, it's like a mechanical turbo. Yeah, you know, um, uh, the E ninety twos have the roots type. See, so yeah, this is still centrifugal. Um, it's still so. The, I fucked up in that I took it out at like eleven a.m. to go film it, and it turned out to be ninety two degrees up on the mountain. Mm. So air to air intercooler is just not that efficient. At ext- I mean, that's why we use liquid filter so radiators did it not and things. Feel like the power numbers suggest. It didn't. That it I mean, it didn't. It didn't, and that's just. It's how it works. Like it's ninety four degrees. Um, what it felt like. It also. Oh, it also comes with a three ninety one rear end. Oh. So what I noticed is that even at that heat, like fourth gear in that car feels like third gear in my car on uh-huh. a cold day. Oh. So it's still like. Oh, I can still feel a a significant jump in power and a lot of torque. I was driving in a higher gear than I would have normally, partly because of the gearing, but partly because of the power. But it definitely didn't kick me in the back the way I was hoping it would. I don't know. It's here for two more days. Like I want to take it out at. You know, nine p.m. in the morning or yeah. six in the morning, and yeah. see if it if it feels different. Um, yeah. But of course, what stood out so well is like the handling is so good. I mean, you put everything in there, and like, is it square stance? Square stance, two seventy five PS fours, nineteen inch wheels, um, and that plus the brakes. God, stock brakes suck. I hate my <laughs> stock brakes, and I have pads, fluid, and stainless <laughs> lines. Yeah. And there's just like this squish feeling throughout. That this with this big brake kit. Like there's a little squish at the top. It doesn't have that immediate bite like new mm-hmm. high performance cars do, where like as soon as you're into the pedal travel, you feel that resistance and that grab. But you're half an inch in, and then it starts, and it's firm and really progressive. Mm. And 
it oh my god it was so much better there's like less break there was less dive under uh braking like less squat under acceleration the whole car feels really even hmm. you know they turn all the knobs to nine yeah, yeah. instead of powers at 11 but braking is at seven or whatever i mean it's just it's all put together really well nice. so yeah it was cool that's cool yeah 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 I'm glad that's fun. You so you got a video that's coming yes, out uh, in whatever couple of weeks, whatever, yeah. whenever we have the uh, the time. But that was nice, of Mark. Yeah, Mark was his name? yeah. Big I shout out to Mark. Mean, and uh, yeah, thanks for having. He, I think he, didn't he have us detail it? Yeah, he like paid yeah. WCS. He was like, I want to detail so it looks good for the video, yeah, nice. and it's stored here for a week. And he he's had thank it you, for. Thank you for thinking of Westside Collector Car Storage for your. Yeah. If any other fans want to send Zach a car and store it and have us detail it, I'll, I'll take it worked that. out better, really. I will take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's had it for 15 years. What was cool, someone commented on my Instagram, like, hey, man, I bought a, an E46 with a supercharger. The guy built a drag car, and it just breaks every 20 miles. And I was like, well, this dude put 60,000 miles on it. Yeah. And someone responded, like, well, that's the difference in tuning Steve Dynan tuning versus yeah. drag. Like, someone might have turned your supercharger up to 120%. Yeah, they put some fucking crazy small pulley on it. It yeah. probably runs like shit. Yeah. That's uh, 60,000 miles on that kit is pretty cool. Yeah. That's good. That's amazing. Yeah, that's good. How shitty is the SMG, though? Oh, God. Mark, that... if you're listening, I hope your not SMG his fault. pump break. No, no, He's had it for 15 years. He, it was yep. probably the shit when it was new. I bet it was. Yeah. And this is, this is the awkward teenage years. Of paddle-shifted transmissions for the masses. Like, we wouldn't have DCTs. Yeah. We wouldn't have good paddle-shifted transmissions for our cars if we didn't have shitty ones at some point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, this is an 04. So when do they start developing this SMG? Probably the 90s. Like, they started well, doing yeah. the R&D. Yeah. And it's just, it pulls away so much of the good that is a M3. Yeah. Like, the, the weird, the downshifts, it doesn't rev match perfectly, so the car... Moves it, it unsettles jerks, yeah. in uh, entering a corner, um, and then when you accelerate, even when you turn the shift speed, which is adjustable, up to five, like it still kind of kicks. Yeah. So it's just it's like riding with someone who is still new to driving a manual transmission. Yeah. And it it just ruins what is otherwise a really balanced good car. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, it's maybe so when dumb. he breaks, he'll swap it out for. A he said he would. So yeah. I I hope. That probably means for it. him yeah. soon. There uh, was because um, he'll enjoy the experience. I had a really fun night of, uh, you know, I haven't been doing much drinking. I, I'm trying to, to you know, because I felt fat and gross and terrible, and and uh, so I I've I've said I'm not like it's not like a, a, a sobriety thing, but I I I made a commitment to only drink when the circumstances were really befitting drinking like not no more just bottles of wine at dinner at night on the way home not on the way home <laughs> i'm sorry at home not on the way home yeah bottle of wine on the way home yeah, i'll take a no. cab for the yeah, ride yeah. home please. no I, I mean i was doing we were doing bottles you know just at home every night for dinner i'm not doing that anymore but um i had i i had a, a night at the bar at the hypercar invitational with um adam chamberlain who was the ceo of aston martin north america and the Valkyrie staff, the guy, this dude Barney, who was in charge of of all things Valkyrie, they're like the guy who you call uh, Mark, the guy who you call when it's when you want to spec one. He's that guy. He's the the this Aston specialist, you know. VIP sales guy, the the guy who's like in charge of maintaining the car. I I, I had and we we killed we killed some wine at nice. the bar. Um, 
uh, up up there and had some really funny, interesting conversations. And apparently, there is a. Uh, and this this is related to what we were just talking about because you know like I had my vanquish converted to to stick. There is apparently a like a petition circling a, among one seven seven owners. Oh, you know, and they want all of their cars converted to stick too. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, it would be much more difficult because even though they do use the same similar gearbox to the Vanquish the interior which is all carbon and like it would just oh be way God. harder to get a shifter in there yeah. but there's like 20 guys with 177s who want to like all go in together uh, on stick conversions and so the Aston guys were like you know we're trying to figure out if this can work or not I wonder if they could do some kind of crazy linkage like um uh, oh, like Spiker, like, like Spiker has or something? does, where the hole is back here, yeah, so you yeah. don't see it, and then it kind of comes out of this, and there's yeah. just all these crazy tubes and rods. I mean, I'm sure somebody could figure it out, but it seemed like uh, it seemed like a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be fun, though. Yeah, but that I, dude, I really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, they don't, their cars don't always impress me. Sometimes they disappoint me a little bit, but I am fundamentally Team Aston. I, I will like, I want them to succeed totally because everyone that I interact with who work there i like they all mean so well they all like want it to be so great um i've heard that um everyone has told me the dbx 707 is completely batshit um and really 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 fast apparently and it has the new gearbox it doesn't have the zf anymore it now has actually has mercedes's gearbox their mm. wet clutch setup so that was because I, t- I even told the, I told the fucking ceo i was like Love the Vantage. I was like, but Mercedes has the powertrain with the dual clutch and yours guys. And he was like, we're working on that starting with DBX 707. So I guess future product may actually not just use the Mercedes engines, but also might use the Mercedes gearboxes, which would be great. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody wants Aston to succeed because we've loved so many of their cars. Yeah. I mean, you can't undo that memory. Yeah. So. And they're, so, they're such lovely people. I want, like, I, they're not, they're not like, Shitty people. They're like really good people. I just I want the I want the cars to be to be great. The Valkyrie is <sighs> I don't I just don't I don't even know. I was like I was like I told them to their face. I was like, You're just selling this to people? The fuck is wrong with you? But you know what? I guess that that phrase is also true of SF ninety Koenigsegg. Like anything. I, saw, that is, I say that no, shit I know to them do. too, yeah. It's like it's just this is this is pushing it even further, yeah. but ultimately it's like, yeah, they're all crazy fast. You have to have some skill or some restraint yeah. to own and drive them. Yeah. Uh, and that's just it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do the people on the Patreon have to say? I'm sure a lot. A lot. I'm sure they have a lot. Oh, there's a lot. Okay, here we go. Uh, Jake Kennedy wants to know, what is our take on salvage title cars? I want to go in on a salvage Ferrari to fix and drive daily. I mean, look, money in, money out. That's my that's my uh, thought. You might you save money on the way in, maybe, and hopefully, whatever for whatever reason it's salvaged doesn't bite you in the ass. Right. You know, you buy a car that's got a bent fucking chassis, you save money on it, but like you got to unshit box this thing now. Uh, there's reasons a car could be salvaged that might have nothing to do if it's a theft. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be fixed professionally and still have a salvage title. But whatever money you save on the way in is money you will not get back on the way out. The next guy you're going to sell this thing to is going to see that title. Right. Uh, and, you know, same thing. You buy people. It's, I see it as the same thing as a, a, a watch 
with non-original parts and no box and papers. You know, you want to buy a vintage Rolex, but it's got a replacement dial and a replacement bezel. There's no box and papers. There's no service history. You'll save money. Mm -hmm. But the next guy you go to sell it to, you know, he's going to pay you less as well. It also shrinks the market of buyers for Mm -hmm. you. So you need to find someone who has your same ideals about buying a car and doesn't care that it's salvaged. Right. And shopping for salvaged Ferraris, how many people are willing to do that? So right. that's, that's the real thing to think about. And in the meantime, it may be difficult to get it insured. Yeah. You know, a salvage, yep. it's not as, a salvage car, getting insurance on it is not as straightforward as a regular car. You might have people straight up deny your application because the thing is salvaged. Yeah. You should look into a lot of those things before yeah. you jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Murray, holy fuck, M. Manchathasuk? Manchathasuk? Yeah, man, Manchathasuk. Uh, I'm doing my first track day at Auto Club Speedway this weekend. Any tips? Work your way up. Do not, do not, you know, listen to the instructors. Take all the instruction you can get. Mm-hmm. Be humble. Listen. Assume you don't know anything. Um, and also a great tip I get from instructors a lot, especially at Auto Club. It's a pretty, it's a, it's a fast enough track. Yeah. Um, the first session, don't even think about shifting. You know, put the car in fourth gear and leave it there. And just work on your line. Ooh, that's a good idea. You know, it'll give you less to think about on the first, you know, second session, third session, when you don't have to think about where the track goes anymore. Yeah. Now we can talk about gears and stuff like that. But your first session, just stick the car in fourth and think about the line. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, and, and work, your, work your way up. Yeah. You, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to be. A, a hero on your first day. The 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 fucking Sauber Scouts will not be there. That's a very good point. You know, yeah, yeah. throw your ego aside and just just try to have fun. And also, uh, seating position. Get, make sure you get your seating position right. Um, a good seating position. You know, when you're sitting upright, you should be able to take both hands and drape them over the steering wheel and have your wrists hit the the top of the steering wheel. Um, if you're if you're kind of in a lounged out position or your seats too far back or too close that math won't really work right it limits your range of motion which limits your ability to control the vehicle right yeah yeah uh atticus sullier make car ads great again on instagram is that is that vintage car advertising or is that a maga thing i need to worry about no no, it's vintage car vintage car ads okay i'll check that out make car ads great again it's oh, cool! Like it's all old car ads. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, do we? Can we follow them, Zach? Let's make sure to follow that. That seems like a good one. We do follow. I added them. Great. That's a good tip. Thank you, yeah. sir. Make car ads great again. Uh, what do we have next? Um, Steve Hollowell. Would an expression of range of fin- efficiency be a more useful tool to categorize an EV, uh, i.e., kilowatts per mile versus stated range? I think that it. Not only would it be, it is a more useful metric. Um, it, yeah, it is. Once, once you know, the, the cars are standard, you know, people also, once we have enough stations, once those stations are reliable, and once pretty much all EVs can cross 200 miles of range, then I think kilowatts per mile is, is more useful. Uh, because it requires another level of math. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it, it re, you got to do kilowatts per mile. Okay, well, now what is my kilowatt battery capacity? Um, 
because there are so many gas stations and because um, get filling up with gas only takes five minutes or less, miles per gallon matters more than the size of your tank. Mm-hmm. Um, without a real density of, of stations that can charge you, if you can really charge in 20 minutes and there's a station every two or three miles like there is with gas stations, then kilowatts per mile is a much better use of of our descriptor of how efficient a car is. I could see this coming into popularity if uh, battery pack sizes become restricted, whether it's by market forces or by regulatory forces, because, mm-hmm. you know, like the Hummer, here's a battery pack that could run two planets, but it goes 400 miles. Like, yeah. okay, well, if they can't do that anymore, then you have like, I could see it being an advertising... Um, arrow yeah. in the cap of manufacturers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Stig wants to, opinion on his next car, currently drives a uh, M3 comp package, E92, looking to replace something with significant and instant torque down low. Prefer four doors, but open to coupes. European, under $100,000. Um, I would say AMG cars. C63, mm-hmm. baby. Yeah. C63 sedan is where I'm at. Or maybe, a, I don't know, a GLC 63, if you want that crossover life. GLC 63 is pretty awesome, actually. I'm a fan of those. How much was the RS3 that you drove? 70. Yeah, oh, RS3 fuck, is that's great. That's such a good bargain. Not, but, but not a lot of torque down low. You got to rev that motor. Really? Yeah, you do. Even with a modern turbo engine? I mean, it's not like it's a it's not like no torque. I think but compared like, to his his M3, it probably yeah, has a probably. lot more. Yeah. Um. So it just depends on how much torque you want down low. But yeah, max torque down low. Yeah, I mean, Mercedes it, four it, liter. The the RS3 at seventy grand is about the best sedan you can buy right now. If you've got a little more money and you can get into a C63, that's a real torque monster. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very lively. Um, Nate M. Let's see. Hang on a second. Oh, boy. Basically, is there an affordable EV that won't depreciate, or are they all going to depreciate because they're appliances? Well, in this market, things are depreciating less, certainly. Um, My recommendation is to lease an EV. I mean, and that's because... Especially if you're not leasing one from Tesla. And this isn't an anti-Tesla thing, but Tesla, you, you can't buy your lease out. With a Tesla, you can lease it or you can buy it, but if you lease it, you can. there's no buyout option at the end. You mm-hmm. have to turn it back in. Um, and the reason being because Teslas hold their value and Tesla themselves want to capture that value. Like, you know, if you lease, like my Mach-E, I can lease it, and because I'm going to be, I, I am leasing it, and because I'm going to be under on the miles, I might be able to buy it out and sell it later. Um, but all the appliance cars, I mean, to be honest, I haven't studied the depreciation of those EVs. He's asking a question that I wish I had an answer for, but I don't. Yeah, I'm sure there are online tools to look at what a three-year-old 30,000-mile EV is and compare it, but I have not researched that that kind of depreciation. And I think those are also subject to fuel price forces. Yep. So yep, it's hard to say. Yep. Uh, Prashan, they say everyone's favorite Lamborghini is the V12 Lamborghini from when they were six. You're not wrong. Murcielago made me fall in love with cars as a whole. Are they disappointing to drive? No, they're nice, especially the stick shift ones. The stick shift ones drive pretty good. The paddle shifted ones, um, the gearbox is clunky, like all early paddle shifted cars. Um, 
but I, they're actually they're rather nice. They, they're, I think they're good cars, um, and they're they're pretty tough as well. I mean, there there were um, back in the my Gotham Dream Cars days back in the day, there was. Um, we had a, we shared a shop with a Lambo Tech, uh, Stevie, and Stevie had a couple clients outside the rental company that would have forty, fifty, sixty thousand mile Mercies uh, stick shift on, on the original clutch. I mean, they're wow. pretty stout cars. Um, they're nice. They're not disappointing. They're cool. I mean, they're I wouldn't take one to a track day, but but they're fun. Yeah. Uh, okay. Rich B, former motorcycle road racer, newer car enthusiast. I'm thinking about picking up a cart uh, to learn more car control. Not a bad idea. I know how to drive a bike on track, but I don't quite get the car balance. Would a cart help, or should he take some driving schools living up near Monticello? Um, a cart is a is a pretty good way to, to, to get your practice on, but the dynamics aren't exactly like a car. Especially because a lot of the carts only have brakes in the rear, Mm -hmm. which creates a very snappy oversteer kind of situation if you get really into the brakes. I would say do some rally schools. I mean, rally schools, and Monticello has one at at Monticello Motor Club. They do. I don't know if it's publicly available, though. Okay, well, I would look into that. But if not, I mean, the the best way to learn weight transfer in a car is loose surface rally schools, in my opinion. Um, and those skills then will transfer to a car on the road or the track. Yeah. I think, I mean, you're starting at a great place because motorcycle racers and riders tend to have a really good understanding of rolling on throttle and braking. Like, the skills translate even though it's hands to feet. Yeah. Like, they do really well in lessons and usually advance really quickly. So I think you'd be wise to do a driving school of some kind in general because it will help you level up really quickly. Mm-hmm. You'll get those explanations. And then a cart is an awesome way to learn lines, braking techniques, other stuff. You just, like you said, you can't brake mid-corner, um, but that does teach you good habits because some cars you, you shouldn't be trail braking anyway. Yeah. So it's, and it's a cheap way to get- um, To go really fast. To go fast and like, I mean, you can buy a good cart for like two grand yeah. and the consumables are so cheap yeah. and and the skills will translate to road cars. Yeah. So I would say start, like get an education, like a, a short one, rally school is a great idea, and then get a cart and just keep learning. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Morris, uh, with IndyCar going with a bigger motor and hybrid, along with removing downforce to make the cars harder to drive, we see that concept trickling to road cars like narrow body roofs or touring GT3s, less about pure lap time, more about character. I don't think that that concept is going to trickle per se, but I think that the market for sports cars will demand that. I mean, sports cars are really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, in many cases, faster than people can drive them. And you just, we've got Porsche coming out with that Sport Classic, which is a turbo powertrain and a stick shift without mm-hmm. a huge amount of downforce. The GT3 Touring is still impossible to get, you know, long waiting lists. Um, I think there is a, in general, a a focus. Uh, People do care. Certain companies are paying attention to to driving dynamics rather than outright speed, for sure. I mean, I I think the problem is a lot of those things that sell a car are stats. Right. In general. Yeah. I mean, even... That's the big separator because the motorsport... 
what the motorsport affiliations really want is more attendance and more viewers and yeah. more audience. And and a lot of the drivers have been calling for cars that move around more so the speeds go down, but they're also more engaging for them. But that mm-hmm. would also make it more entertaining for us. Yeah. But OEMs aren't trying to make the cars more entertaining to the masses. Like, right. To customers, maybe, but not to, like, viewers on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a differentiator. Yeah. Uh, Chappy, I mean, but, like, even, like, you know... Lambo and Audi are doing rear-wheel drive versions of the R8 yeah. and the and the Huracan. Um, you know, there's there there are real drive not num there, there's enthusiast versions of a lot of cars that are not focused purely on on numbers. It's a good point. They can kind of make a car that you know levels up in terms of numbers compared to the predecessor, and then they can go. But there's also a slower version that's more fun if you need it. Yeah. So like the the yeah they have the Halo one, and then the uh, mm-hmm. offshoots. Uh, Chappie, uh, rewatching my excellent S8 review, I couldn't think about who the hell would want this in three years, seeming like it had a motor for everything that could break. Do you think resale on these high complex cars drops harder in the future due to increased complexity? Yes. Mm-hmm. That is a very uh, straightforward and demonstrable and provable trend. Um, the the um, I mean, yes. Straight up. I mean, you go go look at a, a four-year-old AMG car or a four-year-old BMW 7 Series. I mean, those cars are the fastest depreciating cars in the world because not only are they very, very expensive to maintain outside of a warranty, but also their target audience is wants the newest and latest and greatest. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 not a hypothetical. That's just the truth. Right. I think it's increasing complexity would will likely lead to a decrease in durability yeah, over time. Always does. Uh, <laughs> David G, if Hypercar Invitational was a demo derby at Laguna, what what super hyper mega car would you derby to its death? Ooh. Something that it was very very I'd have the Glickenhaus boot. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would go uh uh, SF90 or similar because I want a motor in the front and the back. So, oh. I can, so if someone hits me on either side, you could side, still drive on the hybrid. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's a good. That's a very good thought. Yeah. Something. Something with it with an electric motor powering the front and a gas motor powering the back. Right. That's a good idea. It's very good. <laughs> Elon Musk is suspicious. Forty three. Dream car has always been a Porsche 997. GT3 RS 3.8 driver grade but well maintained one with some miles has come within my reach but it's a big stretch for me and thus a little scary should I be worried about buying one when we're on the cusp of a recession financial question and I'm not an expert at financial questions you should not take my answers seriously at financial questions the best part about a Porsche versus another kind of investment is that you get to drive it. Mm -hmm. And if you drive it and you love it, you can hang on to it for long enough and it might come back. I mean, the best part of of investing in a car versus investing in a stock or a crypto or anything else is that A, it's insured. So if something terrible happens, you get your money back, right? Mm -hmm. And B, it'll probably never be worth zero. So if the value goes up and the value goes down a little bit, you know, we're talking about a, a car with an accepted value. I mean, in terms of the the enthusiast community, right? There's a there's a defined number of them. They will never make any more. It is accepted that it's it's something great. 
Um, I would say that market is also not shrinking because more people that are enthusiasts about that car are getting older and making more money. You right. Know? Someone who's 25 right now is probably stoked about that car, just like us, you know, in right. our 30s and 40s. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a, it's an, it's the last stick shift RS. So there's that too. Um, so while I don't give financial advice on this show, I, I can say that you'll, you won't lose all your money. <laughs> You know what I mean? If you bought a stock in some new tech company and turns out the CEO uh, was banging giraffes, you know, that or goes to prison, you know, you're going to lose all your money Mm -hmm. with a car. And you should not invest a significant chunk of your net worth in a car. You just that's bad practice in general. Um, that that is a real piece of advice I'll give you. If if you have to fucking invest ninety percent of your net worth in a hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollar car, you shouldn't do that. Just just don't. And my father, who does give financial advice, would tell you the same thing. Don't take a finance out on it. You know what I mean? But but it's it's a protected investment in the in the case that it's insured. Um, you know. And, yeah, and it won't, and it won't, it will never be worth zero. And if you like it as a car, and you take care of it, and you like using it as a car, and there is a recession, the 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 number only matters when you buy it and when you sell it. And what happens in the meantime is you enjoy it. So you could always hang on to it until you know recessions don't last forever. Right. And if you really like the car, hang on to it, and when the time is right, you know, and you can do whatever you think is financially well on the other side. Yeah, as, as long as you can weather the recession yeah. and not go, oh, I took all my savings and put it in this car, mm-hmm. that's not good. <laughs> but if you know, but if you still have your safety net or whatever, then yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, and I mean, what, you know, if the car goes down by 10 or 15 grand in a year and you really do need the money, well, then you know, you've, you've spent 10 or 15 grand or whatever to have a car for this amount of time. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, won't, you don't lose all of it. Uh, Derek Yeegan, thoughts on driving shoes like Peloti or Alpine Stars for casual canyon driving, overkill or worth the investment? I am the wrong person to ask because I have fat bread loaf feet, and I base my driving style around my fat bread loaf feet. So like my quote heel and toe is not using my toe on the brake and my heel on the gas. Like you're technically, there's no wrong way to heel and toe as long as the end result is the same. I don't do that either, and I haven't talked to many people that use their actual heel and toe. Right. So I use the left side of my foot on the brake and the right side of my foot on the gas. And my shoes are wide enough that I can have plenty of coverage for the brake and the gas. And my ankle is flexible enough that I can put full brake pressure, like with my foot kind of turned in like this, and still still blip it. Mm-hmm. If I wear driving shoes, it makes me worse at driving it because it narrows usually. my yeah. foot. And so if you, I'm not against the, and also I hate walking around in driving shoes because they're such a thin sole. It actually makes my knees hurt. So they don't do anything for me at all. And doesn't mean that Alpine Stars and Peloti don't make a nice product. They do, but they don't do anything for me driving and if the pedal box is so narrow that I would need driving shoes anyway I fucking take my shoes off and drive barefoot and then I've got a whole lot of flexibility in my foot I like driving barefoot some people think I'm insane but I'm used to it and so I drive barefoot all the time it's no big deal do you ever wear driving shoes no 
Yeah. I'm wearing a race car, but I wear those ti- Onitsuka Tigers. Yeah. That driving shoes for me are basically they provide good pedal feel. I think that's what they do for most people. And like you said, they have a thinner sole, but there's so many different sneakers I've owned that have a thin enough sole I can feel the pedal and feel the brake and feel the feedback, but I also can, you know, stretch my foot and hit the thing. Like, yeah. I don't I don't think you need to buy dedicated driving shoes for driving in a canyon. I, there's I people that like them, and that's fine. You like your shoes. Go yeah. ahead. But, like, they're not really for me. Yeah. Uh, Robert Adams says, my review of the Fat Bob got me looking at bikes. That's a Harley Davidson. And finally pulled the trigger on starting to ride. Uh, more motorcycle reviews coming up. No, I, I guess we... Um, I guess he missed this when we talked about this. Motorcycle reviews are literal cancer to our channel. Yeah. It's not just that they do very badly because in our like 20 least viewed videos of the year, over half of them were motorcycles. Every motorcycle video we've done is at the very bottom of our view counts. It's just more of a niche market and people who are and I'm and by people, I don't mean you Robert Adams. I mean we're, t- we're talking about we're talking about something where if 10,000 people see something, that's a massive fail. Right. <laughs> and when a video does bad, it's not just that one video that does bad. It literally drags the rest of your channel down. Um, and so if, if we have narrowed our focus to sports and enthusiast cars, you're also not really going to see um, – uh, SUVs and crossovers, unless they're heavily enthusiast focused, um, you might. If you follow, you should follow me on Instagram because I'm going to drive, ride some bikes, and do some Instagram content. But um, you know, unfortunately, it's it's just it's terrible for our channel on a purely scientific and analytical level, and so we will not be doing video. And also, there are a lot more work. I mean, it's it's. It's a significantly more uh, higher amount of work to do a motorcycle view than to do a car review for for not only less reward, but a cancer. (laughs) It makes our other videos perform worse. Right. So um, I'm glad you like my motorcycle reviews. I've 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 had some fun doing them. But but uh, Instagram only uh, and podcast. uh, 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 We'll talk about them on the podcast. But I sent my my CX 500, which has been living in the lobby. Uh, for two years, I sent it to Iconic, uh, which is the place in Santa Monica that restores uh, vintage motorcycles and, and late model motorcycles. And um, they're doing like a full major service, new tires, uh, new brake pads and fluid. Um, it actually has this very early type of adaptive suspension that has an anti-dive technology. So, so when cool. you brake, it sort of holds the front end up a little bit in an active way. Um I just looked up the power. The power number for that bike is eighty-two. Yeah, eighty-two Top horsepower. Speed of one twenty. But eighty-two horsepower from a five hundred. I mean, that's a that's a lot. I mean, it even is. a it's even a brand yeah. a brand new five hundred cc bike thirty years later won't make eighty-two horsepower. Yeah, that's true. I mean, even like uh, well, the SV we we both had one. Those were like sixty-five horsepower, I think. Yeah, and it's got you know it's a bigger engine. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I I rode the um, the the BMW F eight hundred. Uh, G or F eight fifty GS, and I don't even I don't think that makes eighty horsepower. It might that one might, but like it's it's taken a while to catch up. This is the first turbocharged production motorcycle and the first ever motorcycle with an ECU. Wow, electronically con- controlled ignition. Um, they are according to the, the 
I've read this before, but they are apparently quite finicky. Mm. There's not a lot of people that know how to work on them. Iconic is one. And there's certain parts where, like, if that ECU dies, it's a sculpture. Wow. The bike's a sculpture. But okay. I got it cheap. Um, and Well, it started as a sculpture, so it started it as a back sculpture. into one. Yeah, if it went it's back all right, into all right, one, not that bad. I'm not out that much. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just want to, I'm tired of looking at it and not ever riding it, and I want to try it. And yeah, for sure. And it's... Um, it looks like the estimate is around fifteen hundred to two grand to get it where it's safe to ride. So, considering what I paid for it, which is not much, and what they go for uh, in the like this one's not necessarily collector grade, but they're so rare they're all collectible. Nice. Um, I could probably, if I market it right, sell it for you know eight or nine thousand um, dollars, which I don't want to do. I like it; it's cool, um, but we'll see. Between, I'm not going down a motorcycle rabbit hole, but I do want to take it for a little ride and, and see what it's like to, it's cool to ride. Yeah, it runs. It ran when I ran when parked, um, but the tires were 17 years old, so I, I didn't even want to try riding it. No, I was no, like, this no. is sketchy. Yeah, yeah. You can't have one tire blow out like you can in a car. The guy wrote it here. Stop. The guy I bought it from, I said, I said it, uh, he goes, do you want to come take it for a test drive? I said, you ride it to me. And if it makes it here under its own power, I'll give you the money. <laughs> that was it. And he wrote it here. And then I saw the tire. I was like, oh, my God, you rode this from Long Beach on a 17-year-old tire? You sketchy fuck. Yeah, slippery and dry. Wow. <laughs> yeah, sketchy. Uh, all right. Well, that's our show. Um, do we have – is our next show from Pikes Peak? No, we're going to show next week, don't we? I think we do. I think we – oh, what's happened here? Let me escape Escape my – I had to have my security cameras up because of uh, – I had to watch the shop while we were while we were doing this show. Thank you all for your patience uh, among that time. Do we have maybe another show? Juneteenth coming up. Yeah, we'll do a show next week. We'll do a show next week before we go. Yeah, because we leave Wednesday. Yeah, so we can, we have some. And then yeah. we're up at uh, we're up at Pikes Peak. We're going to be recording. It seems like people were kind of into the format from Hypercar with the three different drivers one at a time, and I feel like. I don't really know how the Pikes Peak shows are going to work. I feel like it may be segments that we stick together. Yeah, it, um, you know, I I know like the plan is to go to these different pit areas. What I what I'm not sure of is if we're going to have to go find drivers. So my thought now is it might be easier if I just rig up a mobile situation and we can just walk to you know Reese Mill and Joey's pit and yeah. hand Reese a microphone for ten minutes. Yeah, and then you know walk to the next thing. It would be great if we can set up a table and just tell the pits, like, hey, just come by for 10 minutes. Like, mm-hmm. everything's set up, just sit down. Because, like you said, it was great at the hypercar thing. They could sit down, cameras yeah. are going, blah, blah, blah. It seems so. like we might be able to do that at the start line on race day. Mm-hmm. But during practices, I think we're going to have to go to them. Yeah, because race day, they have a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I know that the engineers may be working on stuff, but I remember being there. And a lot of people are going, they're waiting for their slot. And the engineers are just making sure the car's ready. But yeah. the drivers are just kind of watching other people run so we'll definitely be able to get some good stuff on race day and hopefully um practice days as well yeah we'll have an f-150 lightning which is interesting yeah uh, we'll, uh, we'll have things to do with that I i'm hope. excited to see how much mileage we can gain going back down the mountain yeah. <laughs> yeah that'll be a fun side video all right well that's our show thank you to everybody for listening and uh we'll see you guys